Welcome to the family with Alex Rampernard Rasmussen, co-host Catherine Brandt, Andy Rampernard, and Cassie Schrader. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back. I am with you still to help raise awareness and funds for Alabama Institute for the Deaf and the Blind. Ron Pullman, our special guest right after this with the family. Recently, the four Walzer dealerships in Burnsville, Walzer Subaru, Walzer Honda, Walzer Nissan, and Walzer Mazda encountered a hailstorm. A justice flew in from around the U.S. to handle a claim on what will be over 2,500 new and used cars. They've drastically reduced the pricing on these vehicles, and there are some wonderful bargains available. But here's the deal. I normally hate the hurry-these-won't-last style of marketing, but in this case, it is true. It's not like they'll go into the back lot at night with hammers and make more. I also usually tell people to check them out online, but in the case of slightly damaged cars, you really do have to see them for yourselves. Stop out to Walzer Mazda, Nissan, Honda, and Subaru just south of the Burnsville Mall on Buck Hill Road. If you really want to, you can tell them Tom sent you, but that sounds kind of dumb. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? At, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Bump, bump, bump. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Look at that, I hit the vocal. That was very good. <laughs> Thank you very much. Ron Pullman, our special guest. How are you doing, Ron? Hi, sir. How are you? Doing extremely well. I am with you still to help raise awareness and funds for Alabama Institute for the Deaf and the Blind, music producer and descendant of the famous Pullman of railroad fame. The Pullman yeah. car. I stayed in a Pullman hotel once. Yes, yeah, very prominent in the Minnesota area, by the way. Yeah. You know, uh, his um, his factory was uh, in South Chicago. It's actually a section called the Pullman section. Uh, interesting fellow. He was best friends with uh, Abe Lincoln. In fact, he built a, an, uh, a car, a, a Pullman car, to take Abe Lincoln's uh, body around the entire country after his assassination. I remember that, yeah. Um, I remember hearing about that. Obviously, I don't remember you, it. You know, it's, it's really funny because I've really done a lot of research, and that whole topic, Tom, is such an amazing thing because, you know, he built this factory, and then he had the workers living on it. And he was kind of the inventor of the ATM. <laughs> you know, he gave everybody credits for their work. And so they would use their credits to go in and buy uh, materials or food or whatever at the commissary and those kind of things. And uh, then the government decided they wanted to come in. They couldn't figure out how they were going to tax these people oh, because yeah. they weren't getting paid money. It was a bartering system, um, much like a club med, I guess, you know, you pay in beads. Right. And, um, right. <laughs> and so uh, it, it, created a bit of controversy. Well, it shouldn't have been a controversy because it was a great idea. It was good for the people. It was good for him. It's just, once again, the politicians weren't getting their share, fair, to them, their <laughs> fair share. So they did nothing but complain like they do now. Yeah, no kidding. I, uh, an, another really amazing story about that is <clears throat> Robert Lincoln, uh, 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 Abe Lincoln's eldest son, ended up running the Pullman Corporation uh, after my great-grandfather died. And this is a very strange twist of events. Robert Lincoln wasn't feeling well, but he had to take the train to New York City out of Chicago. 
because they wanted to talk to the people in, in New York about building the tunnels bigger because the, the cars that they were using at that time were really tall. And so Robert wasn't feeling well. He had a bit of the flu, but he went anyway. And while he was on the turnstile returning back to Chicago, he fainted and fell onto the track. And this man jumps down and gets him, Tom, and picks him up, puts him back on the, on the platform. And, and, uh, you know, people gather around and, and this guy sees a lot of people in there trying to find out, of course, Robert Lincoln's aides were there and they were trying to, and, and this guy leaves abruptly. So Robert Lincoln says, I need to find this guy. So they take a couple of weeks and they finally locate this guy because he traveled on that train a bit. And ironically, it ended up being uh, Wilkes Booth's son. That's what I heard. That's a true story, huh, Ron? Wow. That's, that, isn't that a fascinating <laughs> twist of events? It sure is. And That's wild. They talked, and, yeah, Robert was like, why did why did you leave? And he kept evading the question. And so um, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the truth finally came out that he was, you know, in, in that situation. And, uh, you know, it felt really bad, obviously, you know, so. Um, well, that's a great story. That's a wonderful story, as a matter of fact. I'm glad you told it because I, I had always heard that was true, but there was no, never any, any proof of it. And now you've given me the proof. That's a great story. Well, the funny thing that really came out of that was his son, uh, Wilk Booth's son, was able to talk and find – he added a lot to the history. You know, Wilkes Booth was trying to assassinate Lincoln long before that actually happened. Mm-hmm. He had a bunch of people in this small town outside of, uh, in Illinois, in a small town where Lincoln would come in and out. And he had a group of people that, uh, you know, some were uh, a Confederate soldier and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. He, he had it in his mind for a very long time he was going to do this. Um, and then many of his attempts failed. And it was through his son uh, kind of giving everybody that uh, that situation. So pretty interesting um, on that level, uh, for sure. It but, is a uh, great story. Thank you for having me on your show, by the way. This is really fun. I love your show. Well, thank you. It was very, very kind of you, Ron. I, I, I'm glad you're on because... The story of I Am With You Still is great. Legendary producer, engineer, performer, Alan Parsons, who, by the way, is also one of the nicest people I've ever talked to. What a great guy. Oh, man, I got to tell you, I I love him. And, you know, he is truly one of the coolest guys in the world, man. I I got to hang out and perform with him down in Florida recently. They did a thing for the the, the 50th anniversary of the Moonwalk. And they did this free concert. And it was really cool. Um, and you know, to, to, to go to his studio and, and in California and it just was the whole thing was this whole song is it's just amazing. I mean, it all happened by accident. I wrote the song. I am with you still for Jimmy Carter, Jimmy Carter. If you don't know who he is, he's not the president. Uh, he's almost as old as the president. He's 87 rather than 92. But Jimmy Carter and this gentleman named Clarence Fountain left the Alabama Institute for the Deaf and Blind at ages seven and nine. Uh, Jimmy was seven years of age when they left the blind school to go out and start singing gospel music. And, you know, they found themselves on the street and then eventually... They were traveling in Europe by 707. They flew over to Europe. And of course, segregation wasn't going on there. And they spent a lot of time. They came back to the United States. They did the Chitlin circuit. They played. And, and to this day, they still have played with everybody like Tom Jones and Peter uh, Gabriel. And, you know, just the, the list of people who they've performed with goes on and on. They've performed at every White House uh presidency uh for the last 40 or 50 years amazing story so i i i went to jimmy and i said he had lost clarence in uh june of uh, 2018 and so i flew down i said jimmy i wrote this song called i am with you still and while we were in town uh jimmy carter is a 
crazy, uh, he loves country music. And Ronnie Millsap was playing in Birmingham while I was there. I said, let's, I called up, uh, found out the, you know, the manager. We got backstage to see Ronnie Millsap, to, to talk to, to see the show. And while we were in the green room with Ronnie Millsap talking about doing some music with us, the CEO for the Blind School of Alabama had some children there, some blind children, to come and check out the concert. And he said to me, he said, hey, do you think you could ever maybe get Mr. Carter to come back to the school? I said, boy, I, I think that could be a possibility. So in doing some due diligence, I found out that NASCAR, because the, the school now used to be in Birmingham, but uh, you know, about 30 years ago, they moved it to Talladega, where the big NASCAR, uh, the Brickyard is. Right. And NASCAR built this amazing music center at this school in Talladega for the Alabama Institute for the Deaf and Blind. And so in learning that, I said, wouldn't it be great if we put the children some of the students on and we use this as a opportunity to really bring awareness to this school that does so many amazing things. I mean, it's just totally what the, if you visit these children, you go there thinking, Oh, they're handicapped. And you walk out of there being so inspired by these people, these children, these students. And I, I it, it, it was an experience that blew me away. So in the process of deciding to put the children on, I end up meeting and performing with the Mendelssohn Choir of Pittsburgh. They're out touring with the New York Philharmonic right now. And so uh, they said, we'd love to sing on this song. I said, oh, man, that'd be great. That same weekend, I had an opportunity to meet Alan Parsons. And so I meet Alan Parsons backstage at Pittsburgh uh, he was here at the Carnegie Hall in Pennsylvania. And I just happened to mention to him, he said, you know, whenever you're in Santa Barbara, you let me know I'd, if I'm available. Uh, I'd love to have you come and do some work at the studio. So it just worked out that there was one day in, in the uh, Christmas tour of the Blind Boys they finished their tour in Santa Barbara. They had two days. We were able to squeeze in one day, call up Alan Parsons. And he's like, I was not supposed to be here, but it all changed. And I am actually going to be here on the 28th. And I said, fantastic. So we ended up getting the recording done at Alan Parsons. And just, you, you walk in, man, and there's all these gold records and just platinum. Oh, yeah. You know, there's the stuff he's done. But I think the most remarkable thing was he has this picture of him on the roof at Apple Records when the Beatles are playing that roof concert, that, mm-hmm. that concert that's legendary. And there he is at age 19 with this orange shirt on, this long hair. And he, I said, he said, that's me. <laughs> it just, you know, just it puts everything in perspective, you know, I mean, it's a, from, from him doing The Dark Side of the Moon, which is, what one of the best-selling albums ever in rock music, and I mean, just tremendous stuff. The guy, and he, as you said, he is such a gentleman, and such a, a joy to be around. He's just amazing. He is a great uh, guy. Tell me about how, now. How did the Blind Boys Alabama even start? How did that? How did it all begin? Well, the Blind Boys of Alabama, they 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 are in a group. They're an institution. It was Jimmy right. Carter and, and Alan, excuse me, and uh, uh, Clarence Fountain left the blind school and they went out and started singing. And they um, initially were in a band called the Five Blind Boys of Mississippi, believe it or not. And that's where they toured around. And then they, uh, they uh, the Blind Boys of Mississippi and then Jimmy and Clarence founded the Blind Boys of Alabama. And they used to tour on the Chitlin Circuit, they call it, and and all the blues players. This was during the time when Chicago was just starting to happen with all the great Chicago greats. And believe it or not, that's when all the uh, black uh, blues musicians were going to Europe for the same reason the Blind Boys did. And so 
it was, it's kind of interesting to watch their history and understand the history of the blind boys. And Jimmy's the last original blind boy living today. So to have his vocal on the track and in the video is pretty an amazing thing. I don't know if Marina sent you our video, but before we get off or after we get off, I'll get your email and I'll, I'll certainly send it over to you to, to, to check it out. So their first, and, um, their first, so, their first release was "I Can See Everybody's Mother But Mine." Oh, right, there you go. Oh, that's very sad. Yes. What a that's yes. amazing. Yes, yeah. Well, let, let me say this, okay? We did a, a song. Uh, I first met them when they did a song on my first record with uh, Robert Randolph played pedal steel on it, mm-hmm. and it's called "Crossing the Threshold." And from that time. They have changed my life, Tom. I mean, being around these guys, uh, I met Tom Jones, and, and Tom Jones was a little bit standoffish. When he found out that I performed with the Blind Boys and worked with the Blind Boys, it was like he changed his He told me, he said, me and Elvis used to play gospel all the time when we were working our different shows in Vegas, and he went on and on. So he loves the Blind Boys. Uh, they, they, they really are an amazing amazing opportunity for for me and 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 this whole thing kind of came out of nowhere i mean i I wish i can explain to you the momentum this song is starting to take on there's so many people that want to submit it for the first round of the grammys right now and so we're going to be releasing the song here in the next week or so um we finally got everything put together on it and it's it's been such a beautiful thing putting those children uh, on, on the on the vocal track on the song, and the inspiration that they used it as their graduation song, and it just it, it, it. I wish I could sit here and say, "Oh, I planned it this way," but it's just one of those things that God had another vision for this, and you know, I'm just as I see it, I'm a messenger. I'm just carrying the words, so. So uh, you can check it out. At, yeah, it's kind of a cool thing. You can check it out at blindboys.com. And, yeah, Ron, if you could send me that information now, that would be great. And when the song comes out, yeah, we'll Yeah, you can also go on Ron Pullman, ronpullmanmusic.com and check. There'll be, uh, there'll be a lot of that type of music. I see on your radio station you're, you're playing a lot of, uh, I saw some wing stuff. And Denny mm-hmm. and I have, Denny Lane, the founder of the Moody Blues, and the founder of the Wings Band with Paul McCartney. Mm-hmm. He and I have two songs right now climbing the charts on XM Radio. Wonderful. Uh, well, send those to me, too, if you would, because Denny Lane has one of the great voices of all time. Oh, my God. You, believe me. I mean, the legendary voice of Denny Lane. And yep. to be able to write some songs with him. Yeah, there's two songs. If you go on Denny Lane, Ron Pullman, it'll come right up. There's a couple. There's meant to be in over the horizon, but I'll send those to you on an email as well, of course. That'd be great. And I'll send you Crossing the Threshold with Robert Randolph on pedal steel. You know, he, he's an amazing guy, too. And the Blind Boys found him uh, singing in a choir at, at a very young age. Uh, the Blind Boys are a pretty interesting group. Uh, they're, they're, they're amazing uh, like Denny Lane, as you're talking, he's a, he's a, he's a great guy. I love Denny. I, we're looking at maybe doing some, a uh, couple more songs together uh, so. to be able to write with him, you know, and he, he hadn't written with anyone else except Paul McCartney when he started writing those two songs. And, uh, uh I think you'll really like it, uh, if you check them out. Sounds good. Ron, thank you so much for your time. The blind boys of Alabama, blindboys.com or it's ronpullmanmusic.com, correct? Yes, sir. You're a yes, good sir. man. Thank you, Ron. Tom, thank you so much. Absolutely. Have a good day. We'll be back with the family. It's Tom Bernard with North American Banking Company CEO and my buddy, Michael Bilski. Michael, let's say somebody has a plan to expand their business this year. How can North American Banking Company get that job done? At North American Banking Company, we'll take time to understand the customer's needs and wants and their plans for the future. Once we have a good understanding of that, we'll try to solve their financing dilemma. We won't take a cookie-cutter approach to any financing situation. Wonderful. So if I need cash to expand my podcast, you got a plan for me, too? No. (laughs) (laughs) God.
Thank you. I see where this is going. Well, we love working with you. We can help any business, including a podcast that's already very successful. Who's better than you? That's what I want to know. I still never like you, though. You are. No, I never. Don't try to make up. I don't like (laughs) Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Thank God I went to the newser to check this out because the headline in the other other news uh, service said the world's smallest. It's the world's smartest dog, not uh, smallest. Oh, is it that border collie that yeah. understands like 7,000 different uh, things? 1,022 nouns. Jeez. He understands 1,022 Yeah, and you could noun. show the dog a picture of a, a ball and say, go get, and you know, show mm-hmm. him the picture mm-hmm. and he'd go get the ball. He could make that kind oh, of puppy. Did yeah. understand? correlation yeah. there. Did he yeah. understand get away, Jesus? Dog? Get away, Jesus. May Jesus. Jesus. May Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. A border collie that has been called the world's smartest dog died Tuesday at age 15. Chaser, a black and white pup given to Dr. John W. Pilly by his wife when the dog was eight weeks old, learned to recognize 1,022 nouns thanks to Pilly's training. The professor emeritus of psychology at Wofford College in Spartanburg, South Carolina, spent four to five hours a day for three years training Chaser by showing her hundreds of objects, Jeez. saying their names dozens of times each, then hiding them and asking her to find them. As Pilly explained, he spent four to five hours a day. Well, maybe he dog. was retired and this for was his years. fun time. Well, he just he just died too, apparently. So. Oh, well, year. that actually makes sense that the dog would have died then. Yeah, I suppose that's well, true. Well, a dog bonds with someone, you yeah. know. Especially a dog like that. Border Collie at 15 is, that's old. That's an old Border yeah. Collie 15? Border Collie, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true, too. In any case, as uh, Pilly explained in a book published in 2013, the dog even understood sentences that contained a prepositional object, verb, or a direct object. Her death, which her family, by the way, most humans don't know that. <laughs> Well, that's the problem. Her death, which her family says was due to natural causes, came a year after Pilly's death at age 89 last year. Mm. She's buried with the other Pilly dogs, uh, sprinkled with John Pilly's ashes, the family posted on Facebook. Oh, that's a very sweet story. Guy loved his dog. The whole family loved the dog, but the dog now has cacked. Cacked? Cacked! I'm taking May to her first obedience class tonight. Jesus, May. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> she is an intrusive, oh my in God. face She's dog. Zero. She's a sweetheart. But she just she right in climbs face. up into your face and just won't yes. stop. I know. The only way you can get her out of your face is to cover yourself in a blanket. Oh, really? And then she'll walk away. I'm surprised she doesn't start scratching nope. at the blanket. If you cover your head with a blanket, she'll leave you alone. <laughs> That's really Dan tries to shove her away and is like, May, get off of me. May, leave me alone. May. And I'm like, cover your head with a blanket for like three seconds and she'll leave. Uh, remember she the, leave. the far she side cartoon. Blah, blah, what we say blah, to dogs. Blah, blah. Yeah. Ginger, you're such a good girl. Yeah, I just love you, Ginger. Ginger, you're the greatest. What Ginger hears? Blah, 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 Ginger. Blah, 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 blah. Gotta add treat in there, though. They understand that. Oh, they understand treat. And walk and potty. Yes, and dog park. Yes, they understand walk. Oh, yeah, I don't. I can't say that. Dog park. Well, authorities have cracked the case of who messed with an officer's fast food sandwich, and it was the, well, you know. The odd cases out of Indianapolis where an officer with the Marion County Sheriff's Office went public with a damning accusation about a local McDonald's. The officer, identified only as DJ, said he unwrapped his McChicken sandwich at work to find that somebody had taken several small bites of his sandwich. 
I know I didn't need it, he told the station at the time. He figured it had to be a McDonald's employee who hated police, so he went back to the restaurant to confront a manager and to make the chain deal with the tamperer in an inappropriate way. McDonald's investigated, as did the sheriff's office. It was the latter who identified DJ himself as the man who bit the sandwich and forgot because he went to back to eat the rest seven hours later. Sounds like a drug addict. He, he's a cop. Well, he well, could also well, be a drug so addict. Doesn't mean that he's not wackadoodle. Well, that wouldn't even be good to eat anyway. They put yeah. mayonnaise on that. Why would you eat it seven, <laughs> seven hours, hours later? It's full of bacteria. At the seven-hour mayonnaise. I'm sure that McDonald's. I'm sure, yeah, it's a McDonald's so, hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's a chicken McChicken. Oh, oh, oh wow. Have you ever seen a McDonald's hamburger like six years later it left looks out exactly the, room? the same? Hasn't changed it at all. Hasn't changed at all six years Hasn't even dried later. out. Yeah. <laughs> Dan was eating this cheese dip that I was like, that's pretty old you should probably get rid of that and he's like so it's good until september 2020 and i was like i made a face and he's like what and i was like that's not real food <laughs> if it's after no. it's been opened good for a year and a half well, later it's hermetically sealed yeah. I'm like, <laughs> well, there he's like, is that. He's like there's true. port wine in it and i'm like is there Ooh, is there port, port wine, wine in it no Ooh, yeah I'm like there's red food coloring in it port wine would preserve it the officer took a bite out of the sandwich upon starting his shift at the Marion County Jail, then placed it in the refrigerator in a break room, uh, right. says a statement from the sheriff's office. He returned nearly seven hours was, later, having forgotten he had bitten the sandwich. It wasn't stored in his hot car, so that's no. good. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, that's a good thing. By the way, DJ has now apologized to McDonald's. Uh, the Washington Post notes that a subway employee was falsely accused of tampering with an officer's beverage in Utah a few years ago, but it also cites an incident in Florida last year in which an officer was sickened by after eating Taco Bell burritos that were doused in bleach. What is wrong with you? You're going to kill you someone. Yeah, why would... why, I feel like you wouldn't. That would be very tasty. Mm. <laughs> bleach burrito. Well, wouldn't you unwrap it? You'd smell the yeah. bleach. Yeah, you? bleach is pretty strong yeah. stuff. It yeah. Oh, yes, man. bleach is very toxic. I know. Sometimes to I have to bleach the Braid. cloth diapers, and it's, my laundry room smells like bleach for like three days afterwards, and I use a quarter of a cup and a yeah. load of laundry. I use it's bleach like... very rarely, but when <laughs> I do, it just smells. He great. said the they did smell like bleach, and they tasted bad, and they made his tongue go, num tongue go numb. But he ate them anyway. And yet he <laughs> ate two of them. Oh, my God. That's a little strange. What are you okay. doing, I was officer? really, really yeah. hungry. What the hell? I was so what hungry. What are you doing? Oh, my God. God. Yeah, oh that's God. your own fault, then. Yes. Yeah. Try to follow this one along, because I tried earlier, and I couldn't. Yeah. More than 20 years ago, he wrote a popular Christian guide to relationships that uh, said dating, including holding hands, kissing, and couples spending time alone together, was bad and a training ground for divorce. Yeah. I what? Mean, yeah. Holding hands, kissing, and spending time alone together is yeah. bad for your Oh, this is like uh, <laughs> resist the temptations of the flesh kind of thing? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, yeah. Spending time alone together, even? Like, well, yes. it is just... I don't know. Watching a movie. Just no, more I opportunities mean, for fighting. Are we talking about like, you know, 14-year-olds or 30-year-olds? Because it's a little different. Well, we'll find out. 14-year-olds can't be trusted with anything. Now, after pointing out the flaws more than a year ago in his I Kissed Dating Goodbye, Joshua Harris' own marriage is over. He doesn't consider himself a Christian anymore, and he's apologizing to the LGBT community for perpetuating a culture of exclusion and bigotry. The Guardian and CBN News reports the first sign Harris' personal life was undergoing a sea change came earlier this month when he put up an Instagram post announcing he and his wife for more than two decades were separating. Some significant changes have taken place in both of us. So in other words, he, he discovered he's gay. That, yeah, I'm yeah. not a Christian anymore, and now all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, he's... So you can't be a Christian and be gay? I thought you could. I thought you could. Well, you can, but it's interesting that he's not only renouncing his faith, but he's also all of a sudden acting like yeah. he was being mean to gay people, even uh, though... Because denying he was gay. Oh, being it doesn't say anything about that, though, yet. Maybe it does. Some significant changes have taken place in both of us, the 44-year-old wrote, showing a picture of the two of the, uh, them together and noting the sincere love they still have for each other. Then on Friday, a new Instagram post from Harris announcing a massive shift... He hadn't previously disclosed, by all the measurements that I have for defining a Christian, I am not a Christian, he wrote, adding that not many people Christian. tell me, not a Christian. We always do that because that's what Fawn would always do. Yeah. He'd say, would you like this, this bottle of lotion? 
not a lotion. It would be not this. Oh, yes. So, so that's our that's our little inside joke. Uh, many not many people tell me there's a different way to practice faith, and I want to remain open to this, but I'm not there now. He also included a surprise apology to the LGBTQ community. I regret standing against marriage equality, not for affirming you and your place in the church and for any ways that my writing and speaking contributed to a culture of exclusion and bigotry. I hope you can forgive me. Meanwhile, on his website last year, the former megachurch pastor said he was discontinuing his best-selling book. While I stand by my book's call to sincerely love others, I no longer with the central idea that dating should be avoided, he wrote. So basically, here are the things. Because he was a horrible example of a Christian he thinks it's Christianity's fault, which it's not. Look, I'm not, I'm not religious, so I'm not defending Christianity or any other religion. But you weren't what a, a true Christian would be. You were a scumbag who thought you were smarter than everybody else. Well, Church hey, maybe nerds. unlike 99% of the community, he's actually recognizing that he was in the wrong. Because technically he said that by his own standards, he's not a Christian. So uh, mm-hmm. he might be saying that he was at fault. Here's what I but understand. I doubt it because no one ever admits that. So you're with a woman for 20 years, and then you discover you're gay. And it doesn't say here he's discovered he's, he's gay. But you're he'll... making assumptions, Tom. I'm not making assumptions. I guarantee that. Like Significant changes have taken place. Exactly. Make an ass out of you and know. me. And I don't care if you're gay. I don't care if anybody's gay. I've never understood why you would care about that. And I also don't understand if somebody wants to get married... And I think I came out about this, what, about 20, 25 years ago. Go ahead. Marry whomever you want, as long as it's not a dog or a kid. Right. Mm. Right? That's fair, isn't it? No animals, no kids. Yeah. It has to have something with consent. Well, they're fighting for that now, too. They're they're those NAMBLA. They're fighting to to see if they can get... uh, NAMBLA's been around forever, and they're tiny. I know, but they still are fighting for marriage between a man and a kid. (sighs) Yeah, let's not do that. No. Remember that no. on South Park? It was very, very funny. I I don't I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm a brand new member of NAMBLA. They said NAMBLA, and it's North American Men, Man-Boy Love Association. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. He goes, what are you talking about? It's the N- N- National Association of Marlon Brando Lookalikes. <laughs> <laughs> Different NAMBLA, but, you know, it all works out in the end. I hope they don't have tax-exempt status. Yeah, well, they probably do. No. But, yeah, here's a guy who, who all of a sudden decided everything he was doing was wrong, but he was an expert on how you should live your life, but he couldn't live his life that way. So now he's, oh, I discovered well, that I'm not a Christian. That's very interesting because, you know, all these, we're just living in a world where everybody's a judge and a jury of everybody oh, yeah. else on oh, yeah. social media. I don't know. It's like, shut up. I don't. So why would he make the statement, I am not a Christian? Who, what are you talking about? I, there are different kinds of Christians, not one kind of Christian. It's like knows? one kind of, there's Sephardic Jews, there are Hasidic Jews. Have you heard of, ever heard of this guy before this story? Never heard of him. He was but apparently a mega church guy. I bet uh, Melissa's heard of him before. Mega church? Oh, yeah. happy day. That's a black church. Mega ah, church is different. Oh, is That's different. Mega church is different. Mega church is ten thousand people all in a room, you know. Praising Jesus. And yeah, my favorite is still. There's a guy in the audience. His left foot hurts, and his name is Tim. Is there a Tim somewhere in the audience? Mm-hmm. I understand. You've got a you've got an appendage that that's discomforting. Appendage. Like you phony bastard. I got your appendage. What's his name again? Pop or pill pill popper? What's his name? Probably Pilpopper. Peter Popper. Peter Popoff. There you go. That's what yeah. Yeah, Peter Popoff, he was he, he he and his wife were running a scam and now you know what he's selling now? No. Sacred water. Ooh. So he decided good. not to cheat people out of money by claiming he could he could that he's getting messages from God. Now apparently he has sacred water that he sells. Ah. I don't know where the sacred water comes from, probably from the tap. Uh, <laughs> Mir- miracle spring water. Miracle ah, spring water. So what's the miracle? Also, he's been selling that for like a decade, apparently. Oh. But uh, that's his central focus now, though. Uh, yes, it would seem that way. Yeah. It's the central focus now that he got caught with the earpiece where his wife was whispering people's names to him, and he looked, mm-hmm. tried to make it look like, I can see into, the, into your brain. Well, you know, <clears throat> God bless them all. Boy, there was a, there's a new, I think it's an Amazon documentary about these people that can talk to your dead mother. Oh, God, those people are scum. It's just sad. 
Hold Except up. for the real ones. Yeah, are there real ones? <laughs> We've had the People Bodines say. on before. Yeah. Yeah. I about love them? Echo Bodine. <coughs> Michael mm. Bodine's another good guy. I don't know anything about it, but they said these people, the, the ones that, oh, I was just talking to your brother in heaven, and he said, yeah, sure you were. Yeah, uh, they do have scammers out there, that's oh, for God, sure. there are a lot of them. Yeah. There are lots and lots of them. And apparently, what they learn is not how to look inside your brain. They learn how to ask questions that tee you up, and you don't even know they're doing. I know, oh, it's absolutely. crazy. Isn't that amazing? It's mm-hmm. like, that's kind of scary. You can get me to say whatever you want me to say. Pretty <laughs> much. Like, well, most people, if you start talking to them, they just love to talk about themselves and give information. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, it's always amazing to me whenever I call a real estate agent about a property. <clears throat> oh, yeah. The, the amount of information I will get. <laughs> it's like... Oh, I you shouldn't be telling me this. <laughs> I suppose that is true. But they'll yap all day. <laughs> well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So it looks like we're going to get through yet another uh, another period in time uh, where everybody hates one another. But I think I think people are starting to hit the wall on that. I really do. They're sick of hearing about it. Yeah, I've even been seeing things on Twitter yep. about, you know, this calling everybody you know, names is just getting to be so ineffective. Because because after a while, when all you do is get angry and call names, I mean, you look crazy after a while. I would say so, yeah. Yeah, I mean. I would agree with that completely. Traumatic brain injury. No, you damn right. There's a traumatic brain injury. We shall be right back. Special guests from UB40, Duncan Campbell and Robin Campbell, next. What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house. Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home. We have been presenting offers for homes in most price ranges. Homeowners are loving our guaranteed offer program, especially how much money they are making on their home sale without the inconveniences. So this program is for all price ranges and conditions, including perfectly maintained homes? Most homes do qualify. To see if your home qualifies, go to chrislindahl.com and click Get Offer right now. Will you be the next homeowner to accept an offer from our guaranteed offer program? Find out now. If you qualify, you will get an offer in 48 hours or less, and the best part is you get to pick a closing date that is convenient for you and close in as little as three weeks. Go to chrislindahl.com right now to see if you qualify or call 763-401-SOLD. That is 763-401-SOLD. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. So the reason that CNN was talking about traumatic brain injuries is because they released a helpful list of things for children to avoid because they're one of the leading causes of TBI in children. Uh, Number one is floors. So keep your children away from any floors. What? <laughs> Good luck. Uh, they don't really say that, do so they? A padded yep. room. You have to keep have a padded room. Keep your children room. away from floors. The oh, top yeah, ten they... leading products in t- for TBIs in children younger than a year to 19 years old. Uh, walls also. <laughs> no walls. Walls. No walls. No floors. Uh, chairs and tables. Ceilings keep them away be from okay, though. Beds are bad. Beds. Yeah. You don't want any beds. Jump off the bed. Yeah. So no furniture. Okay. Cutting boards. Mm. The ones that pull out of the oh yeah thing, Fawn ran right into oh, one. Oh yeah, that'll oh, happen. Flat on her back. Yeah. yeah, she that'll ran around happen. the corner and just like boom. I was like, oh. <laughs> Basically, my God. the list is any sort of structure or furniture and any sort of sport. So any sport. An open field with nothing in it would be good. Yeah. Although I'm guessing rocks would probably be bad. So. <laughs> rocks would be bad. And they might eat the plants. Rocks. So no rocks. That. They might. Yeah, I mean, I remember. Andy was swinging on our kitchen yep. island was like, you know, right next to the counter. And he was, mm-hmm. had his hands on one hand was on the island. One hand was on the counter and he was just swinging. Mm-hmm. 
And all of a sudden, he just went. Well, I somehow managed to get my feet like so high that my arms twisted around and I fell. Yeah, and your I'm surprised I didn't get a concussion. Did a very bad crack. Yeah, it was very. I remember that. I took him to the doctor, and of course, they were looking at me like I was an abusive mother. That was fun. Oh, they always do that. Yeah, it was really fun. What did you do, Catherine? What did you do? Do we have Duncan and Robin? Marvelous, oh. ladies and gentlemen. UB40, Duncan Campbell, Robin Campbell. How are you, gentlemen? We're very good. How are you, Tom? Doing extremely well, as a matter of fact. We were just talking about. In your honor, I'll mention up front, I have a very, very close friend. And a few years ago, he's a nice Jewish boy, and he sent out his birthday cards, the invitations to his 40th birthday, UB40. So that was in your honor. I want you to know that. And he, he's a huge fan, and he was really happy he was able to do that. <laughs> so I thought that might make yeah. No, he's a huge fan of yours. I just I thought you might want to hear that because people always like to hear about their fans, don't they? I hope. I hope anyway. God, for sure. I can't. UB Forty's fortieth anniversary tour. Uh, kicked off in early 2019 with shows across the UK, Europe, Australia. UB40 consists of five of the six founding members. Robin Campbell. We'll get on the list, of course. we got Robin yep. with us uh, and Duncan as well. You obviously. missed out. You could have called it UB40B40. Yeah, that's true. UB40B40 <laughs> be the name of the album. I like that. How did you come up with the name UB40, by the way? Isn't it, it like an airplane or something? That's so original. We've never heard that one before. <laughs> <laughs> Be 40, be 40. I love you guys. Honestly, got anybody? I just, yeah, we've never heard that before. That's very, very clever. I love that. In any case, <laughs> we have Cassie here. Cassie's a huge fan. Yes, I did. Absolutely. Cassie's a huge fan of yours. Cassie, yes. say hello to Duncan. Say hello to Robin. Hi, Duncan. Hi, Robin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about uh, what's going on now. UB40's 40th anniversary tour. You got You know, so far I'm looking at it. We we need to make some appearances in in America, don't you think? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we actually started celebrating this 40th uh, year last summer because uh, 2018 was actually the 40th year because the band was oh. formed in '78. So uh, we've been celebrating now for over a year, <laughs> and we still haven't got to the States, and we haven't been to the States for a long time, it's at least 10 years, I think, um, or maybe not quite that much, but it's a long time, and uh, we just need to come over and do an extensive tour. So we're there for nine weeks, and we're doing 40-odd shows uh, right across the States. It is wonderful. And uh, one of the two. There's that 40 number again. Yeah, there's that. That's right. There's that 40 number again. Uh, yeah, you're coming. Hopefully, you're coming to the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. I hope. Do you, you have any idea if you are or not? Oh yeah. Well, you are. Yeah. Uh, September 14th. Of course we are. Of course we are. Where are you going to be? Where are they going to be? At the Caboose. Oh, you're going to be at the Caboose. I love the Caboose. You ever been the to the Caboose? Caboose? Yeah, great. The Caboose. Yeah, yeah. It's a that's good. A, that's a classic venue. It is a classic venue. That uh, it's been around for a long, long time. As a matter of fact, you could see yep. everybody. I, I, I believe Jimi Hendrix, first time he ever played Minneapolis, played at the Caboose. I think that's true. It was unbelievable. Now it is a great venue, and the people who go there. One thing I will tell you, and well, you already know this, but for listeners out there, that if you go to see a show at the Caboose, you're going to see some real great music and great fans of the music they're not about oh well the music is secondary the music is everything when you go to the caboose for a concert yeah well that's the kind of venue we like you know we yeah. we don't like them too big we like to get we like to get intimate and we like to you know we like a, an audience that's going to participate and uh, you know sing and dance along with us and we just like a party atmosphere and obviously that kind of venue that lends itself to that God, UB40, an English reggae band, have hit over 100 million records sold, dozens of charts. Oh, you have to ask you one question. I've never, I don't know this, but uh, do you know, do you have any idea how many bands have covered Red Red Wine? God, a lot of people have covered that song, haven't they? Have they? 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> maybe more. Maybe more so now. But I. The only, yeah, the only ones I'm aware of. Uh, I mean, we we had no idea. Believe it or not, when we did it, we had no idea that it was a Neil Diamond song. We knew uh, the version by a guy called Tony Tribe. Tony Tribe, uh, yes. and that was a, a Jamaican version. Um, but recorded in London, I think. Um, and the other one was Jimmy Jones and the Vagabonds, which was a, a sort of R&B soul type version. Um, and we didn't have any other versions. I've never heard any other versions. But of course, since I've, I have heard uh, yeah. Neil Diamond's version. Yeah, you know, Neil. Uh, only, only once. <laughs> you know, back in the day, back in the day, I, I used to work at Capitol Records, and Neil Diamond, of course, was on Columbia. But when he did the jazz singer, that album yeah. came out on Capitol Records, and I spent a lot of time with Neil Diamond. He actually is a very, very nice man. He's a great guy, actually. I'm sure he is, but the jazz singer was one of the worst films of all time. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> You know, it'll happen now. You know, one th one of the reasons. Sorry, Neil. <laughs> he killed him at Glastonbury, though. Glastonbury, yeah. He killed him. He killed him at Glastonbury. Well, good. See, I'm glad to hear that. Killed him. That's an unfortunate phrase. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, he's fine, though. Don't worry about it. But uh, one of the great things about Neil was, I, you know, I'd been around him a little bit here and there and traveling and, and pushing, you know, talking about the jazz singer, and he called me about uh, December 10th, something like that. And he said, Tom, Tom, it's Neil. And that's how he talked. I don't know if you ever talked to him, but he, he, he's very strident in his speech. And he goes, Tom, I won't be able to spend Christmas with you and your family, Tom. I just thought I'd call and tell you. And I went, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't invited. I didn't know we were going to, but I'm glad you called me ahead of time because, you know, it, it's kind of it's just hey you know hey I've had William Shatner do the same thing he told me the same thing he couldn't come to my house for Christmas I'm, okay William love Star Trek man that's, <laughs> that's re it's really good it I'm, worked I'm, I'm sorry Tom I've got to tell you I'm not going to make it for Christmas either no. damn it no. uh, there goes the whole Catherine thing. the Campbell boys are not coming over for Christmas this year I was hoping they were coming over you know that nobody. You know that's you know that's a three beat right there. Now it's it's Neil Diamond, and then it was William Shatner, and now it's the Campbell Boys. They're not coming for Christmas. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do with all them empty seats? You know what I'm gonna do? I think is convert to another religion so I don't even se celebrate Christmas anymore, just because I'm so go. crushed by the whole thing. You know what I mean? Problem solved. <laughs> Problem solved. My I'll just wallow in my disappointment. It'll be wonderful. How many bands? Are still, you know, basically your band is intact from 40 years ago. That's very impressive, to tell you the truth, coming and going. Or uh, how many bands can actually say they, they got together for a 40th anniversary tour? It's amazing. Yeah, it's, uh, I think you could probably count them on two hands, the bands that are still in existence after 40 years. It's, uh, it's quite a feat. We're quite proud of it. Um, we, like uh, I think you, you said at the beginning, it was. Five of the original six members, you know, mm -hmm. still there. So, uh, yeah, we're quite proud of that. Yeah, well, there's a few that might get back together, but there's few that have been going steadily without stopping for 40 years. Right. Yeah, there's, yeah, there have been a few sort of reunions over the years, but, uh, yeah, but none that have just kept going non-stop without a break. And is it because you were now? As it started out, obviously the Campbell family is one thing, but then the the other members of the band had you known the, them a long time? Are they lifelong friends anyway? Yeah, they all went to school together. And that's how it should be. So, in other words, you you, you they've enjoy known, your music. They've known each other since they were all eleven years old. And uh, Norman, our percussionist, I think I've known him since he was about seven. <laughs> So yeah, all our lives really. I think it's wonderful. See, you've done you've done what you wanted to do. You've done it with your friends. You've done it with family. It's a pretty happy life, isn't it? I pinch myself lucky. daily. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, yeah, very lucky. You know, it's it's a life and a lifestyle that people dream of. You know. It is absolutely. It's a lot better than you know. And and don't take offense to this because I don't mean it to be, but it's a lot better than having a job. <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Imagine if we had to work for a living, you know? <laughs>
Oh, I can't. So the, the date is the main driving forward. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. I'm in radio because I don't ever want to work. That's exact. I understand it completely. Exactly. <laughs> Fear of employment is the help of, of all artists. Yes, that is no doubt about it. I think it. if you, you know, if you're doing what you love, it doesn't feel like work, does it? You know? No, no. Like doing this, doing this interview, it, it does not feel like work to me because I just I enjoy talking about music. I've been around music my entire life. I was in bands and I worked at Capitol and worked in radio. Now, actually, the morning show I'm doing, I've been I've been on it for 34 years. I just I absolutely love it because it's not like Where? work. It's not like work. But you know what's really sad about that is I talk, I brag all the time about I've had the same job on radio for 34 years, but I'm six years short of you, so once again I lose the race. What are you going to do? <laughs> I cannot wait for you to come. What's, oh, the, yeah, date? We'll never catch the, what's the date of it again, Cassie? Uh, September 14th. September at the 14th caboose. at the Caboose. Fellas, thank you so much for your time today. We look forward to seeing you in just uh, about five, six, well, that's about, about a month and a half. So that'll all work out. Uh, and by the way, you're coming to town at a perfect time. September is beautiful in Minneapolis, St. Paul. I look forward to seeing you then. And uh, oh, yeah. And we'll have to, if we can possibly work it out, you're going to be in town for a while. Love to have you come in studio and, and do another show. I'd love that. That'd be wonderful. Why not? Why not? Love to. All right, but I'm going to tell you, I cannot come for, for Christmas. I can't do that. Well, they canceled first, so <laughs> technically. That's right. You canceled first. Yours is a grudge. <laughs> That's right. Mine's a grudge cancellation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just out of the blue. Take that. <laughs> so take that. Fellas, thank you so much for your time today. Great talking to Robin Campbell. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I started laughing again, but, uh, you know, that all works out. Oh, did we lose them? Well, you said thank you very much. <laughs> well, I wanted to say goodbye to them in person, but Duncan Campbell and Robin Campbell, UB40. Like oh, sorry. That sounded like a producer yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it sounded like they had to go. <laughs> they have a wonderful sense of humor. They do. I, I don't know. There's something about their music. And what's weird is when I first heard Red Red Wine, I had no idea they were from the UK. Oh, like, right. It was kind of like I'm the sure whole... I'm sure most people don't. Yeah, because he sounds like he's from Jamaica. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, and when I yeah, saw the true. video, I'm like, that you know, that was kind of like uh, Rick Astley. It like his voice doesn't match his appearance. We're no stranger to love. <laughs> I love that. I love the way he sings. Actually, I know, but being like, Rick rolled, man. Yeah, but it's like his voice doesn't yeah. match who he looks like. You're not no. expecting that at all. No, he does and, not uh, look like Tom he Selleck. <laughs> what? Tom Selleck's voice does not match. Who he, what he looks no, like I suppose all. that is true. And now I'm always like, stop talking. <laughs> stop talking. Stop talking. Stop talking. <laughs> Why do you say stop talking to Tom Selleck? He's got a nice voice. No, no not so much. Oh, well. Poor. I, I really wish he hadn't done the reverse mortgage commercial. <laughs> I know. It like, makes Tom, him seem like a, you know, mm -hmm. charlatan. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> you seem like yes. a charlatan. <laughs> I just want you to know that. I'm bringing a, back old words. Yes, you're a charlatan. <laughs> that's all I know. All right. Well, have a magnificent day. Thank you again to the Campbell boys, UB40. Uh, and I tell you what, Ron Pullman, what a great storyteller he is, too. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. We'll see you tomorrow with the family. <laughs>